Good morning. Everybody doing good today? Are you ready to talk about murder in your heart? Because that's what we're talking about today. Next week, we're going to talk about lust. And then we get after that, we're going to talk about divorce. It's going to be great. This is how we fill a crowd in the summertime. Um, no, it's, it's going to be good, and God is, is going to show his word and his truth and his power. Uh, as we continue to go through the, the gospel of Matthew, and we started in um, the Beatitudes, and we're going to go, go ahead and continue to go through this gospel from the Beatitudes uh, to persecution uh, to sitting on a hill cannot be hidden, that we are the light of the world. And then last week, um, Jesus reminding us, man, he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, that we are uh, more than connected to the Old Testament, everything God said and did. And today, uh, Jesus is going to explain even more what he means by his teachings and his gospel. So turn with me in Matthew 5, and we're going to look in 21 to 26. It says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sahedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you were offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still with him on the way, or he, or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. And let us pray. Father, Lord God, we come into your throne room by the name of Jesus. And because of Jesus, this gives us access to the Father. Father, um, do your work today, for according to your word, your word will not come back void. Father, you have called the church to be the light to the world, to carry your message. And it's not just Emmaus, it's all those that call upon the name of the Lord as Savior, as King, as the resurrected Jesus who is coming back again for his bride. May we be reminded of that today and that we are here to worship you and to be equipped to send out the message of Jesus. Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we talk about, um, first of all, murder in your heart. Jesus uh, reminds them of what his word and what his law, what it, what it means. Because we get really good at putting on a mask. Like that religious spirit where we act good rather than being transformed by his power and by the gospel. And so we want to look at that today. Man, murder in your heart. I would say there are so many things in this, in this world to be angry at. And there is a righteous anger which God has, and there's an unrighteous anger that we often have. Why? Because you're not God. And we as Christians need to be reminded that we are not God. We are as kids. We are as ambassadors. We are the bride of Christ together. Right? There are some things in this world that is changing that can upset us. But we need to be reminded of the hope and the power that we have now in Jesus Christ. We need to be reminded of how beautiful the gospel is. You might be looking at this world... Um, like I often do, and say, oh, it's just going to junk. And we get upset. 
But we forget that such a time as this, the Lord has said, I want you to be alive. Such a time as this, the Lord has said, I want your kids to be alive. I worry about my kids. But if I look at the Bible, through the name of Jesus Christ and through the the power of the Holy Spirit, I actually, and you should be too, excited. Even the last 18 months, everything that the church has been through in America is really even just a glimpse of what the rest of the church, our brothers and sisters around the world, go through. And if we look at Scripture, we can see that God is doing something great. And we should be excited for it. It's why it's important that we look at this, this murder in your heart. Because I see Christians being taken, taken off mission. Our mission is to love God with all that we have. Our mission is to see the world lost people, right? And not to make them clean, not to make them change laws that we'd be okay with, but that they would see the need for Christ. So the way they are living very much puts them in that position. It's like, I need God, or at least that's our hope. And so if we do not see the lost the way God does, we will be off mission. And our team on this mission is the body of Christ in all her glory, in all her mess up, in all her gifts. It is a body of Christ, not just Emmaus, not just Springfield. And if we're not careful, if we're not obedient and listening to his word and the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll be off mission. We're not giving the light of the gospel to the lost and we'll hate the church. So Jesus says, you've seen that murder is wrong. We see a couple, a couple of verses, Deuteronomy 5.17, you shall not murder. Leviticus 24.17, if anyone uh, takes the life of a human being, he must be put to death. So Jesus said, we all know that murder is wrong. And there, there's consequences for it. But Jesus says, what about the murder in your heart? And he talks the anger that we have. And this anger in that word is actually to be enraged. And out of that unrighteous anger, we say things. And I have said all these things before. You're dead to me. I am done with that person. Moron. Idiot. I can't stand them. And I hate them. I've seen people tweet this. Their life was worthless. What a waste of space. Now, put that phrase before the person you love and not the person that you hate or you're enraged with. And someone says that about your child, your spouse, your grandparents, right? The list goes on and on. Those people that you love and adore. And then we take the understanding that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. How does God now feel about your thoughts or your phrase? And oftentimes it's not just the world that thinks this way. It's Christians, right? Mask, no mask, Republican, Democrat, now vaccine, no vaccine. And that is the lens by why we decide to love other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why our heart matters to God. See, Jesus gave this teaching of the inside of the cup. Jesus taught about the inside because in society, in religion, we're always focused about the outside of the cup. Fake it till you make it. Just act like you're changed. Just do the right thing. Just change the next law. 
And we as Christians can even get in that anthem like, yes. But see, God cares about your heart. God, yes, cares about your actions. Yes, he cares about your identity. And sometimes the church is so focused on what laws are passed or not passed in the government or in the world, we forget the distraction that he causes because of the anger in our heart and the disobedience of sometimes the local body of Christ to be on mission that we forget, man, Satan is just like, we're over here and he's over here just going after our sons and daughters. God cares about your heart. Let's look at Genesis 4, 1 through 8, and we will see the first murder. It says, Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. And in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. And you see where God started talking about this anger, right, in this, in this murder plot right here. Verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door, and it desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were there in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel, and he killed him. And what is that source that battle that we see in the first murder, it started in the heart. Where, where, where was God most concerned about? Why are you so angry? Why are you so enraged at your brother? And the Lord told him in this conversation in the Old Testament that we see in this warning, like sin is coming and it's crashing at your door. It doesn't have to have you, but you will have to reject it. Where does sin start for us and for the whole world? Like we can change every law, we can change every action. Will it change the flow of the lie? Matthew fifteen nineteen explains it very well. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false testimony, and slander. Yeah, right in there with murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false testimony are words. Slander, our words, right in there. And we can be so focused on the symptom that we forget about the cure, which is why Jesus said, I am more worried about the inside of the cup. We get so good at faking it or even thinking, and again, I am all about changing laws. I think it's good. I think we need to have, to cons- have a concern, but that's not where my passion is. Right? Part of that is because I'm not called to be a politician. I'm not called to do those things. Some people are. Praise God for that. Good laws and decrees, they are good. There's there's laws in my house. I praise God for them. I have laws for my children. Like in our home, the Vanderbilt home, you don't just get to do whatever you want. Most of the time. But I know that all the rules in the world won't change who they are or what the sin problem is. Scripture tells us to be, that we'll be held accountable for every careless word. 
Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because all of our sin, all of our desperation, all of our addiction first starts in the heart, which is where the cure is. And you might be listening this today and saying, you know, we're <clears throat> so what do I do then? You said, man, man, I, am, I am angry. And I say, good. May it be a righteous anger that leads you more to God and his plans and his truth. For we serve a God that gets righteously angry. He never stops being loving in that judgment. So what do we do today? Like you just want us to sit back and just, you know, kumbaya and rainbows and sunshine and care bears. Welcome to the 80s. No, I'm not saying that at all. I said, well, I can never be frustrated or angry. Right? I remember one time speaking about something like this and someone later on said, I can't believe we can't even cuss in this church. It's like, well, I think you missed the point. Right? No, you're going to be angry. But where is the battle? Ephesians 6, 12 tells us. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I'm around brothers in Christ all the time. And we'll have these conversations about, man, did you see that law? Did you see that law? Did you see what Disney did? Right? See what this place did? Normal conversations. And we'll talk about it, and we'll talk about it. This law, that law, this behavior, that behavior. But then when we do what Ephesians 6, 12 says, that we will come together with other believers, and we will fight spiritually against this present darkness. You can get a crowd on a Sunday morning. You can even get them to, uh, to a revival, depending on who the speaker is. But can you get them to a prayer service? Do we understand what the battle is, my friends? If you're concerned as I am about some of the things that are happening, things that grieve my soul, because they go against the word of God. They're an attack on my children. It grieves me. And it should grieve you too. But I'm going to spend my time doing things that God says, you can change that law, you can do that. It won't matter. You can hate that person. It won't do any good other than hurt your soul you can begin to pray as a believer in the name of Jesus with other believers. Yet it sounds crazy, but it's powerful and effective. Satan loves when we just sit on our hands and do nothing. And the Lord Jesus is telling us, people, like your hearts, they matter. There's all sorts of corruption there. Love God and love people in that order. That is your mission. The hate in your heart will take you off the mission of both of these commandments. Martin Luther King Jr., and we all know this quote, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. That's the love of Christ. It's not just this kumbaya love. Everybody gets a winning ticket. It's the love and mercy and righteousness and sovereignty of God. And we as believers can't just keep being distracted by all the hate, our busy schedules, our hate in our hearts. 
right? We look for new invented ways to disassociate ourselves with other believers. Everything is a heretic teaching, right? They don't raise their hands. Oh, that's, that's a heretic. Right? It, just, it, it just becomes too much. Hate, it's, an, it's a tool that the enemy use. It's a product we don't have to buy. Second thing we want to look at this morning and the time we have is offerings and fellowship. I love God, but I hate them. It doesn't work. And we would never say that in church, right? Because like, you're probably like good parents out there too. I, te- I teach my kids, do not say the word hate. Like We don't let them say that word. Right? So, no, don't say it. We don't want to hate people. Right? And that's, that's good. And that's good teaching. That's, good, that's a good rule to have. But it doesn't change the heart. They'll come up with other words. I loathe them, Dad. I don't want to have them over for my birthday, Dad. Right? The list goes on and on. Like, I, well, I don't want to be Facebook friends with them, or I'll be Facebook friends with them, but I'll never hang out with them. Like, the list goes on and on. And there's a danger in that. There's something that Jesus is reminding us. And he was doing it to his audience then, and he's doing it now. Like, our worship matters to God, and our relationships matter to God. How dare we say God can forgive me and it can be well with my soul, but not you? Right? It's, it's, it's a lie. So we just put on masks. And God says, man, I see. I see that worship. As you have done something against your brother, but yet you don't do anything about it as if I don't see. Ephesians 4 26 and 27 says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. You are going to get angry. And we will say this time and time again, and you should. You get riled up. But may it be in a righteous way. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. This doesn't mean you're going to have a conversation with every person. Like, well, oh, man, the sun's coming down, 9 o'clock tonight, got to have that conversation. No. There's a time not to have that conversation. It's talking about the condition of your heart. Go to bed mad. Go to bed mad. Go to bed mad. You can have that conversation. You're still going to bed mad. Right? It's, it's before that sun goes down of understanding, Lord, take this anger, this frustration, and I give it to you to start to work on my heart and my mind and my speech. And he says, do not give the devil a foothold. It's crazy how that foothold can be used to build this massive house of hate. And you'll put all sorts of people and ideologies and things, even the church, even brothers and sisters in Christ, and you just start to put them in this room of hate. Like, the enemy has an agenda. He's putting a foothold because he's setting up a camp to advance. That's why it's so beautiful that we would look at the cross of Jesus Christ. Right? As I am forgiven, as you are forgiven, I will extend that to others. As there is mercy, God has been so full of mercy for me and you, for I am a mass murderer in my heart. I'm not saying that to justify, like, oh, well, it's like, it scares me. Some of the things that will come out of my heart and out of my mind that sometimes by the grace of God will come out in actions that remind me, like, your heart needs Jesus. We need to be careful with expressions, and you've heard me say this before. I love them, but I don't like them. You will not like every person, and every person will not like all of you. You can bank on that. 
And if you think that, that everyone likes you, which is usually what we you know, tend to think, then we can talk later and we'll talk about reality. Right? Just, yeah, not everybody's your mom. Not everybody's your grandparents. They don't like everything about you. That's a special kind of mom love. Right? That my wife has for my kids that I don't have. Um, right? Praise God for moms and grandmas. That's not the point. The point isn't to be on this mission, this exhausting mission. Like, everybody has to like me. No. You will not like every person. Everyone will not like you. But let's not get comfortable in that place. Because we get really good at putting on this Christian mask and our worship. Oh, yes, they're brothers and sisters in Christ. Only through the gospel are we saved. Oh, but they think this or they think that. But they still think the gospel. Heretic. Right? The list goes, oh, we just build and build and build on that. Like, I have friends, and I've expressed this before. They're running out of churches. And Springfield, there's one in every corner. I know friends like a 10,000 member church. and like, I can't go there anymore because I might see that one person. It just gets so big. And so what we do is say, well, I still love them. Like, no, you don't. Right? Let's not get so comfortable to say, well, I love them, but I can't stand them. Well, and again, we wouldn't say it that way. You will not like everyone. Not everyone will like you. But let's not stay in that place where it's so comfortable because you will find a long list. You will say, well, I'm just introverted and they're extroverted. They're a people person. I'm not. I've literally had people say, I'm just not that happy type of person. That's not a badge of honor. Right? And I'm not saying that to shame or disgrace you. Like, we just have to be careful because it puts a foothold to where we just justify the junk. Our relationships with each other in this room matter to God. You have wronged your brother. Then go make it right. And it's associated with the communion that's in the back. And the offering plates are in the back. Like, as a church, we should be challenged. Like, man, if we have a lot of unforgiveness and unrepentance in the relationships in this room, we should have zero offering. We're sometimes afraid to say that. Hey, we want to continue to say, hey, if there's, if there's some, type, some type of guilt or manipulation in the offering today, don't put it back there. How about, like, man, you have some unforgiveness for someone? Keep the check. Like, no, it's not worth it for you or for the body of Christ. There must be this fear over God rather than man. And that's what he's saying. He also gives this other analogy. Because of lawsuits. Christians never sue each other, do they? Right? Or to be different than the world. The way we reconcile is supposed to be different than the world. Right? And you're going to be put in positions to honor God and trust and reconciliation. You're going to be put in positions where your bank account might be less. And I was challenged with this years ago when my dog bit my neighbor. And my insurance company, the lawyer, and they got involved. And they're like, don't talk to your neighbor. And I just had to tell that man, like, I am a Christian. I'm going to talk to my neighbor. Well, she might win. And I said, so be it. Like, there comes a time when we have to fear God and trust in God more than what's in our banking account. Because the reward will far outweigh the cost. I mean, can you imagine having a legal contract of liability for your loved ones? I've thought about it. Right? Son, daughter, you know, sign this contract. <laughs> right? You might trip down the stairs. 
right? You, 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 something might, or people come into your house. Hey, there's, there's got this waiver form, right? Hey, before church attendance, before you come in, we have this waiver because these chair and these chairs, I would not trust the weight limit on the chairs. Just putting that out there. Tested it. People smaller than me have tested it too, right? Not, we don't want to live in this bubble wrap. What Jesus is saying is like, like, like relationships are dangerous. Right? They are. You're going to be open to hurt and pains. But the power of God and his commands are more powerful. We cannot live in that bubble wrap. Your relationships with others will influence the command and calling God has for your life. And you are to be on mission. Love God. Love people in that order. Tell the world about the good news of Jesus. Messed up relationships and hate will always put a roadblock into that mission and mandate from God. So make a choice. And this unforgiveness is what he's talking about. Price. He's like, and you will pay every penalty. Living without God, living without his forgiveness would, would be an eternal penalty. But then there's an earthly penalty that we all pay too. That unforgiveness like, how can we worship the Lord and be so easily unforgiving to people? Family members, church family members, you would think like when like someone dies, there'd be some brokenness. I have seen so many people, I will not go to that funeral because of what they did. I've seen it. Right? And you think, oh man, close to death, you think it would soften our hearts. No, there is a high Penalty to pay and unforgiveness. And you're the one paying it. Not the one that did something to you. You, you. But you don't have to. Henry Emerson said this, hating people is like burning down your house to get rid of a rat. Hey, unforgiving, so, like forgiving someone isn't saying that they're good and they're righteous. Right? There's forgiveness that says, man, I can forgive you for that. Right? And, they, and, it, and it takes a two-party for reconciliation. You walk around with hate in your heart, it will affect your worship. It will affect how you see a loving God and a righteous God. As we worship the Lord, we are called to forgive. The last point I want to look at this morning, the time we have, is the point that everybody needs Jesus. Is Jesus, you know, like what, what Pastor Clint talked about last week, you know, when we're, we're playing basketball, we like to lower the goal because it's easier to dunk, Right? And we do that all the time. Let's lower the standards of God. Let's lower the decree of God. All right? Jesus actually showing, let me show you what that word, let I fulfill the word. Let me show how much more you need me. Because we can all get good at acting good and doing the right thing. But in our hearts, which is what the Lord is most worried about, it's fine, you haven't murdered most people in here. If we did a vote, probably wouldn't say, yeah, I've murdered somebody. Right? Right? He's just probably not going to, right? I don't know everyone's history. I don't know all that stuff. But we're, we're, we probably haven't done that. But what about murder in your heart? Jesus starts to show us, let me show you how much you need my redemption. And if we're not careful, we can go by this justification confession. Well, I'm not as bad as them. Right? Your spouse is mad at you. You've wronged them. And your answer is like, well, I'm not as bad as that guy. Well, you could have somebody else's husband. You could have somebody else's wife, right? Spouses, that makes you mad, doesn't it? Right? You're like, whoa, whoa, ouch. 
See, it really puts it in an understanding. Because one of the things that we struggle with, too, is the opposite of that. And I've had people tell me, you can't, you can't tell me that child over there's got any bad at them. Like, yeah, I can have if you worked in the kid's end. Like, you are obviously not a kid person, right? Let's, let's, take, let's look at all reality. Well, what about my aunt, my aunt Jo over there? Like, she's so good. I'm like, no, she's not. No one's that good. Right? It, 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 Jesus raises that standard. And if we live on that justification confession, we, we won't think everyone needs Jesus. See, in our country, we're consumed with how others live. And that is on both sides of the fence of our political parties. We're, we're just consumed with it. Why do we do that? Because it's easier to look at someone else's money and say they should be generous. I can look at Hollywood figures and say, man, look how much money they have. They should be really more generous. Or I can look at that company and go, man, Amazon should do all this. But God takes it up a notch and says, what about you? What do you do with it? What do you do with all that you have? I can look at that company or that government system and say, man, they need to be more just. What about the authority I've given you? Could you not be more just? Like whenever I talk to my kids and we like bring them before their mom and dad, uh, Jessica and I, and we're disciplined, they almost, almost always, they were like, well, what about them, dad? Do you know what my big sister did? Right? I feel like you love them more than you love me. That manipulation. And you're like, no, no, we're focusing on you. Right, do you see why it's so important that we look at the plank in our own eye? I want us to look at Luke 18, 9 through 14. Jesus gives a parable to this. He says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Verse 14, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone exalts himself. Who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. It's, it's the gospel. Right? No one is so good that they don't need Jesus, but no one is so far gone that they can't be redeemed. And when there's hate in our heart, you won't be on mission. Tim Keller says this, and I love this. No, ma- no matter how good and well ordered your life is, you must be born again. Yet, no matter how chaotic your life has been or how often and profoundly you have failed, you can be born again. See, at the cross, we see that God isn't so laid back on sin. But he isn't so laid back on redemption and mercy either. At the cross, at the cross we see those two pillars of God come at an intersection. Right? God doesn't stop being just. He doesn't stop being loving and full of mercy. And that is the beauty of the good news, right? Because it's only through Jesus that those two things can happen and that our sin 
can be forgiven and we can be brought home to the Father. And when you look at sin, or you look at God's love, his mercy, his judgment, and his sovereignty, again, if you ha- you're full of hate, you're going to look at it in convenient ways only for yourself. When it's full of the gospel and love of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're on mission, we see lost people. Like, no wonder they're asking lost They don't know Christ. We were once there. Some of us are still dabbling in once there. Right? We're so worried about that that we think, oh, if I change this law, it'll change it. Again, I'm not saying that there's not some some, some good things in that, but that's not where the power comes from. So what about when we look at it from the lens, God's judgment and his mercy through the lens of your family? You wrong my kids or my wife or my loved ones. I am very thankful for God's judgment and his sovereignty. And I've never met a parent. They're like, whatever. No, right? Mama bears come out, right? Unite. I'm not a mama bear. I'm just saying, right? The moms love well, right? Don't mess with their kids, right? And it's, it's crazy how even just some of these movements, even in Christianity, they're, oh, you know, God just doesn't care about what he, oh, what? Like, no, Every loving parent would say, no, where is that just God? Which is why it's so important that we would see it through the love of God. But then the other opposite side, God's mercy. I'm so thankful for God's mercy and his grace for myself, for all of you, for my kids. Like the cup never runs out for the amount of mercy that I want for my kids and loved ones. Right? You see, do you see how it works? We're thankful for both. His mercy, his grace, and his justice. And when we're looking at this, and something is difficult, is like, man, I'm, I'm guilty because of all the people I've killed in my heart. There's no escaping that. There's no escaping that. Which is why Jesus is so good. I've never met anyone that they were not honest, like, oh, yeah, I've, yeah, yeah. And next week we'll talk about lust. It's like, okay, Jesus, I need you. But here's the thing. The Lord doesn't want us to get good at just acting good. That's why all the law changes. Friends, that's not where hope can be. The Lord doesn't want us to just get good at acting good. That's religion. That's exactly what Jesus, that's his audience right there. You think you're good enough. You're not. Now, there is a sign of repentance that says, man, I want to stop doing this thing, right? That's like, it, it has a, be- a good beginning. Now I'm, I'm stop taking drugs. I'm going to stop doing sex outside of marriage, right? I'm going to stop whatever it would be. Like, man, I'm, I'm done with that. That's, that's, the, that, that's repentance, right? You're turning away from one thing and going to God. But then there's a step further that we have to rely on. Because you can't condition away sin. You can't government law sin. People just always find the loophole, and so do you and I. But you can't fake transformation. And only God can do that. We need a heart change. I'll just stop, or I'll be better again. Sometimes that can be used for justification, and it's a lie. Sometimes it's like, no, I'm repenting. 
But then there's the big thing. God changed my heart. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul talks about it when he's talking about Moses. He's like, we, because of everything that Jesus Christ did on the cross, we get to go before God with unveiled faces. We're not like Moses who in the Old Testament kept this, this veil on because he wanted to fake something that happened long ago, but it faded away. It's called rule following. It's just acting a certain way. I'll just condition you. I'll never go to my wife and say, just act like you love me, but in your heart, don't. Wouldn't do it, right? Not romance, not passion, right? No fun at all. And Paul is saying is we don't have to do that because our God is real. Repent, come before God, and it puts our heart and our mind and our spirit and our soul before him. His word will not come back void. There's a miracle that happens with the power of the Holy Spirit that is for all believers. King David in Psalms 51, 10 through 12 talks about this. As he murdered, as he slept with another man's wife, as he covered it up. In the New Testament, God says he's a man after God's own heart. And he writes this. Create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. He didn't say, God, make me a better conditioner. Give me some more rules to follow. In his repentance, he came to the point where he said, man, I need your touch, your change. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So in a moment, we're going to pray to the Lord. And some of us, like, there needs to be some repentance. Some of us, like, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know that you know, man, he is God, he is king. Like, our actions do matter. Sometimes our actions show that he's not king. Which is why, even in an audience full of people that are, that are professed believers, they say, man, are you sure he's king? Are you sure he's king? Because sometimes we don't act like he's king. Like when he is king and lord of lords, we come to his throne room in repentance because he is good. And everything that he says is true. And we will have a time of prayer. We say, Holy Spirit, baptize me in your truth and your wonder. I'm repenting, but I know conditioning won't change it. Change my heart. Change my mind. Your resurrection power. So as we close, a couple questions. Number one, do you murder people in your heart? Do you gossip? Do you slander? Just even in the, the quickness of the moment, I hate those people. They're worthless. They're uneducated. They so lack faith. Right? And Satan just keeps, all right, okay, that's a, it gives us a new thing to hate. Do you murder people in your heart? If you do, man, come before the Lord. Like, don't be proud of it. Like, don't be okay with it. The cost is just too much. Number two, do you need to make things right in a relationship? Like our relationships matter. The church is to thrive and continue to grow. We can't just put on a mask and just be okay with people. I want the gospel. And our, man, there's not a relationship you're going to have that won't take Jesus. Right? No, one's, no one's good enough. No one's likable enough. The 
that's the hope in Christ. Do you need to make things right in a relationship? And last, do you live, do you need, do you live and believe that everyone needs Jesus? That neighbor on the street, man, they seem pretty good. They need Jesus. Kids need Jesus. Be on mission for that. Nothing more important than leading our children to Christ, to leading this community to Christ, to being the light. Because everyone needs Jesus. Do you believe that everyone needs Jesus? You live it. You believe it. It's your reason for getting up in the morning and talk about hope. Right? Because there's no one that's so far gone that God can't forgive them and transform them, including you and me. As we close, there's going to be communion in the back. And we encourage you, before you take part of that, seek your heart before the Lord. Make relationships right. There are people in the back that also love to pray with you, right? Because we're realizing and we're just, it, we're, we're, we're proclaiming it's taking more than conditioning and saying, I'm sorry, God, this is going to take you changing my heart. If you guys can stand, we'll close in prayer and worship our living Savior. Father, Lord, thank you for your redemption and your truth. And the great hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, we give you our hearts. For our society taints it. And corrupts it. And we just, we just say, oh, we'll take more of that. Father, we would say, no more. We will not hate. We won't do it to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we won't do it to our world that desperately needs you. That is our mission the lost would be found. Of course, they're going to live lives that need a savior. We should not be surprised by that. We need the body of Christ, so we will hold on to her. Yes, we will correct, but we will also stay in covenant. Father, thank you for the sacredness of the body. Father, we give our relationships to you that they would be godly, that they would be full of forgiveness and mercy and honor. And Lord, would we live and believe today and going forth that everyone needs Jesus and everyone in Christ can be a new creation. Creation, your church is a hospital for the sick. And when we are sick, you will make us whole. There's no sin that's so far from you, no person that's so far from you that you cannot forgive and redeem. And that is the beauty and the hope of the gospel. And we stand amazed. God, create in us a new heart, a new mind. Father, we love you and we praise you.